0: show love and power, to show His mercy and grace, to conquer the nation, declaring His praise, igniting revival with song.
1: Jesus let me recap a couple things we said that bears repeating last Wednesday night oh it was so good last Wednesday hallelujah let me just repeat a few important things I said one of them was don't pitch a tent of pride around your past successes and strengths When you pitch a tent of pride upon your past successes and strengths, you stop yourself from growing further. So don't relish in your strengths, don't relish in your successes, because if you do that, another person hungrier than you will pass you up, hallelujah. I remember I was listening to uh, Jamie Foxx, does anybody here know Jamie Foxx? Look at all you sinners! Hallelujah! I thought in the church you definitely wouldn't know Jamie Fox. Well, anyways, <laughs> Jamie Fox was uh, sharing about how he was working the comedy circuit in Hollywood, and he was saying how he was working the comedy circuit, and I believe it was uh, Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker came in, and uh, at this time, Chris Tucker—how many of you guys know Chris Tucker? Oh, see, so you got some more sanctified people here that you don't know. <laughs> well, Chris Tucker is, uh, they say he's a Christian. I don't know by his language, but uh, they, they say he's a Christian. But he's the guy that did Rush Hour with Jackie Chan. And he's the guy who did Rush Oh, everyone knows the Michael Jackson impersonation. Yeah, The guy who did Rush Hour with Jackie Chan. And uh, by the way, Jackie Chan is my, one of my good friends' uh, friend. He's a, he works for Jackie Chan, yeah. And he's a Buddhist, but my friend is an evangelist, saved, and he's been trying to get him saved. So pray for Jackie Chan, amen? You guys know the wholesome Jackie Chan. I know the Chinese Jackie Chan. And trust me, he needs a lot of prayer, hallelujah. And let's just say Harvey Weinstein, okay, of China. So anyways, uh, he works for Jackie Chan. We'll just t- edit that out of the tapes. Anyways, uh, Chris Tucker showed up at the club, and he was all skinny, And by now, uh, you know, Jamie Foxx was kind of fattened up, and he was a little bit muscle on the bones and everything, and living the good Hollywood life, making a lot of money. And um, and, and he had to perform with this skinny little uh, guy who was going to be on the lineup that night, Chris Tucker, who no one ever heard of. And he said that... He got up and did his little skit, and his jokes were like just old and tired. He did not worked on them very hard, and nobody laughed. He could have barely get a laugh out of the crowd, and he was making jokes at that time about how successful he was and how big his house was and all these kind of things, and, and uh, people just weren't really feeling that. So then Chris Tucker came up, who was a poor and starving and hungry. He was hungry. Say hungry. A hungry, you know, uh, up-and-coming person. And Chris Tucker, he said, was so skinny because he hadn't eaten. He's probably, you know, living on his friend's sofa, starving, trying to make it in Hollywood. And Chris Tucker came up there and killed it. I mean, the whole place was laughing and roaring. And that's when he realized the reason why Jamie Foxx, he said, the reason why I couldn't perform like that is because I was no longer hungry. I had gotten a little pot belly. I have gotten comfortable with my life. And I'm not as hungry as I used to be. Like, And he saw that reflection in Chris Tucker. Amen. But the point is, when you get proud of your successes and your strengths, you begin to stop yourself from growing to the next level. Amen. And there's always another level. The Bible says that Enoch got to, the so, such, to such a high level that he just disappeared. Amen. He was not because he was... Walked with God. Hallelujah. So don't pitch a tent of pride around your success and strengths. I repeat this again tonight because it bears repeating. Don't get lazy. Say lazy. Don't get lazy on the plateaus you've reached while climbing the Mount of Transfiguration. We are preaching about transfiguration as a sub-theme in the last several weeks. Have anybody heard me talk about being transformed, being transfigured in His presence? So we're preaching on this as kind of a sub-theme, being transfigured into the image of His likeness. So don't get lazy in the plateaus of success while you are climbing the Mount of Transfiguration. And last week we talked a little bit about Al Bundy and how Al Bundy from, what's that TV show called? See all these sinners in here. <laughs> you don't know that one. Uh some family something. Uh, oh yeah, married with children. That's right. See? We pulled that one out of you. Hallelujah. Yeah, Amen. So Al Bundy, you know, he would always you know, kind of sit on his sofa, drinking his beer or whatever, and burping with his pot belly. And talking about how when he was 17 back in the 1960s, how he scored five touchdowns. And, you know, and, and that was the, the pinnacle of his life was a 17 years old, and now he's 47. Amen. So don't get lazy on the plateaus you reached while climbing the Mount of Transfiguration. Amen. I got one amen. Hallelujah. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Amen. Secondly, I said something that bears repeating, is that all outward growth springs from inward development. All outward growth springs from inward development. In other words, the words growth in us is different from growth in the word. Does anybody remember that? And there's an echo in my microphone. It would be easier for me if there was no echo. The word's growth in us is different than growth in the word. The former, meaning growth in us, is the key to power. The word growing in you is the key to power. But the latter, which is growth in the word, that is the key to balance. So growth in the Word and the Word's growth in us are two separate things, but both vitally needed. And I like to say, unfortunately, I have seen in my years in the church a lot of people who are really balanced in the Word. They know a lot of the Word of God, but they don't have a powerful anointing in any area of their life. And that's because they do this 365 daily bible plan and they read all these scriptures but they never take the time to let certain biblical truths to grow inside of you it was john mcmillan the founder of china inland mission Excuse me. The founder was not him. He was the guy who took over after the founder. The founder was Hudson Taylor. After Hudson Taylor moved on, John McMillan took over China Inland Mission. And he wrote in his book, Authority of the Believer, which is a landmark uh, Christian book in 1932, he wrote that every aspect of truth in the Word of God must be carefully combed out if we are going to extract the power that are in those truths and implement them in our life. Should I repeat that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> every aspect, you don't have to write it down now. I could put it up on the Facebook or something. But every aspect of Scripture, every nuance must be carefully combed through and extracted. And it must be meditated on and studied if we are going to benefit from the nuances of those specific truths. And so in this particular book, he was dealing with ascension realities, being ascended with Christ and the realities within those things. So in other words, if you don't study and meditate on specific nuances of truths, those truths will never grow in you and they will never impact your life powerfully. And let me show you an example of one of those truths through a testimony I I shared with you guys a little bit before. I was dating a beautiful Moroccan girl who was demon-possessed. Well, I didn't know she was demon possessed. I just knew she was beautiful. That's all I knew. (laughs) (laughs) That I wasn't really having discernment. And my pastor at this time, who was Luigi, I told you guys about Luigi, Luigi DiPaolo in Canada, he would warn me, hey, something's wrong with that girl, something's wrong with that girl, trust me, stay away. And I just thought that the pastor was trying to be controlling whenever I wasn't having discernment. So what happened was, uh, Papa Luigi had a very powerful deliverance ministry. And Papa Luigi had one agreement with the devil. And that agreement was, when I walk in, you have to walk out. <laughs> And one of the things that everybody knows him for is that every time he came to a church to minister, somebody or some people would always run out of the church. In the middle of announcements, in the middle of the worship, at some point, people would start darting for the door. And so those people were demonized and they couldn't stand his presence. I remember one time he was in a church preaching and the bass player was growling at him. So he's on the stage, the worship team is behind him, and the bass player is sitting behind him like, because he was demonized. He was a demon-possessed bass player (laughs) and a deacon in the church. Long story short, he got delivered, amen. But... You know, these things would happen to him everywhere he went. So he had his wife and his best friend Bruno, who's another Italian, Luigi and Bruno, and Bruno would always, uh, they would guard the doors. So whenever somebody would try and dart towards the door, they would grab them and they'd drag them to the front. <laughs> kicking and screaming, and then they would have exorcisms. And that was what marked Luigi's ministry. It happened everywhere he went. I even went with him too to preach at well, a couple places. And when he would get up to preach... Boom, some girl got up with a black lipstick and black nail polish and all black. She went darting for the door. And I said, Luigi, I got a live one here. Hallelujah. So I, I, I said, Luigi, I really admire that anointing. I want that anointing on my life. Now, let me say that I've been dating this girl now for a few weeks And she was fine every time I was with her. So he said, well, let me pray for you, son. And he prayed for me. And he said, God, I pray. And he prayed really dramatic. I'm going to have his sister here because Luigi went to heaven. But his sister looks just like him and talks just like him. So I, I asked her to come here and do a women's conference. And he's like, you know, he's praying really strong. And, Father, I pray for little Joey. And I pray that the same spirit on me would be upon him, that he would have, you know, the authority of God would be upon him. And he prayed for me that I would have an impartation of that anointing. So he hung up the phone. It was a cell phone. I hung up the phone, and I opened the door, and it was our, my girlfriend and our chaperone because I would only go out with her with a chaperone. So it was my girlfriend and a chaperone who was this lady uh, from, from our church. So they come to my house and we're about to put on a movie. Did I tell you this story before? We're about to put on a movie and we get a call from the, a lady. And this lady says, my, my husband has gone off on the drugs. He's at the underground gambling place doing cocaine, gambling on the slot machines. Can you please pray for him? I told you the story how we actually went to that place to get him out. And so on. So we said, okay, well, let's pray. So we all got together and I held her hand, and on my right hand and the chaperone's hand and the left hand and I said, well, before we start the movie and order the food, whatever, let's pray for this brother. So we start to pray. Father, we pray for this brother. We pray he gets off drugs. We pray he comes back. And all of a sudden, my girl and screams, ah! Boom! She hits the ground, and she starts screaming. And I said, "Oh no, Luigi's anointed! <laughs> He's ruining my date! Hallelujah!" I knew it was a demon, you know. And then what Luigi used to do is, uh, he used to step on, on people, and he'd cast the devil out. He was stepping and saying, on, say, "Come out in Jesus' name." So I said, "All right, well, I'm gonna." No, so no, she was on the floor, like like she wasn't screaming just yet. She did one scream and then hit the ground, like she was out under the power. But I knew it was not the power of the Holy Spirit. I knew it was demonic manifestation. So I put my foot on her because Luigi just prayed for me, and, I, and I, that shrill, that initial scream I knew was not a godly thing. So I put my foot on her. I said, come out of her in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, I opened up a can of worms. All of a sudden, my name is what this demon with this deep voice starts talking out of her. I'm going to kill her. I'm going to kill you. I hate you. And he's talking and screaming. And and she's violently shaking on the floor. And I was living in an apartment. And I had an old man that lived upstairs from me. He called 911 because he thought we were, it was so screaming. And yeah, he thought we were murdering somebody. So, you know, I didn't know what to do. Long story short, I called Luigi up. I said, Luigi, Luigi, I got a live one. I got a live one. You gotta come down here. Now this is like now nine o'clock at night. He's he's an older man. He's in his sixties. So he's in his like his box of shorts with his wife about to go to sleep. And I'm like, Luigi, you gotta come down here. He said, What's wrong? I said, my girlfriend, he said, what's wrong with her? I said, hold on, listen. And I opened up my phone and I just put it by her mouth. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you. Get me out of here. get out of here. You know, and he's Oh boy, I'll come right over. So long story short, Luigi cast the devil out of her. Amen. And I found out she's not the one for me. God had a a Chinese one. Hallelujah. Amen. But, you know, I didn't... I was with her for weeks before it manifested. It wasn't until there was uh, something supernatural that came upon me, did that manifest something that was there. I sat in my church for months with a, with a girl who was from uh, Bulgaria. She was attending for, for months, months in our church, and everything was fine. And then I had my, one of my spiritual, another spiritual father come named Edgar Bailey at 93 years old. He flew to China, and he had a meeting for us. And when he got there, she was crawling backwards like a spider, I don't even know how to do that. So she was like backwards like this on all fours, crawling like a spider with her head turning around. Totally demonic, demonized. And we did some deliverance on her, cast out the devil. And I thought to myself, why was she so comfortable in all of my sermons and all of our services? She was just just dancing in the pews and clapping and so comfortable. It wasn't until a strong anointing came that it manifested. Amen. Amen. So sometimes you have to, uh, you know, really cultivate certain spiritual nuances in your life before you could begin to see it manifest. Amen. I want every place I go to be like Luigi. When I walk in, the devil walks out. Amen. Amen. We had a little bit of that last night, didn't we? Hallelujah. So don't get lazy on the plateaus that you've reached while climbing the Mount of Transfiguration. The Word's growth in us is different from growth in the Word. Hallelujah. Amen. We have to be hungry. Hallelujah. We have to be hungry. Let's look at Luke chapter 4. And let's take a look here at Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. Hallelujah. No matter how much you do, like Joshua and Caleb at 80 years old, they said, give us another mountain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you stop going after God, you cease to live. Mark chapter 4, verse 16 through 21. It says that Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up for to read, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor." He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it to the minister, and he sat down. And there all the eyes of them were in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Let me tell you again in recap because some of you were not here last Wednesday and you didn't listen to the podcast, but the Bible says that he sat down. What you don't know is the significance of him sitting down. Because in every synagogue at that time, they had what was called the Messiah's chair. And nobody ever sat on that Messiah's chair. It was said that the Messiah, when he comes into the temple and he comes back, he will sit in the Messiah's chair. So he didn't just read a scripture, sit down, and that shocked everybody because it was the custom to read that text at that time. The reason why all the eyes were fastened on him is because he not only was there and the correct proper time and season to read that text, which, which, we, which we, we would find the word chronos meaning the, the hour and the season that he was supposed to do and read that text. But the reason why all the eyes were fastened on him is because when he was done, he sat down in the Messiah's chair. A chair that no one in their life has ever seen anybody sit in. That for hundreds of years and thousands, nobody has ever sat in that chair. And he sat down in that chair announcing to them, I am the Messiah. And as they were fastened with their eyes looking upon Jesus, why is he sitting in that chair? He said, I'll tell you why I'm sitting in this chair. Because this day, the scripture is fulfilled in your ears amen Jesus preached this everywhere he went Jairus the woman with the issue of blood and others knew that they could come to Jesus and be healed because he had made such a ruckus that day and he began to preach that message and he preached that message everywhere he went And that was told, of course, as I said last week, that's what Jesus told Brother Hagin in one of the 21 visitations that he had, that Jesus preached this message all throughout Judea. This was not the only place. And that's why they knew he was the anointed one. They knew he was Messiah. Jesus preached that he is this Messiah. Messiah. Now, one of the things that we see here, which is often preached over and not studied carefully, is the fact that we know that he heals the blind, we know that he delivers the oppressed, we know he preaches prosperity to the poor. But he also said here that I am come to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That acceptable year of the Lord is what we call a Jubilee. Can you say Jubilee? Jubilee is a year that God had chosen to cancel the debts of those in Israel. It's the year that God had chosen to let the oppressed go free, to cancel their debts. If your children were sold into slavery and they became bond servants and bond slaves because of debts so forth, that Jubilee year is the year that they would go free and it only happened once every 50 years. So on the 50th year, would be the year of Jubilee. And during that year of Jubilee, they would eat and they would live and they would not sow, they would just live off the harvest. So on the 49th year they would they would plant and then they have a rest and then on the 50th year they would receive the Their debts canceled, their properties restored, that which was lost will be restored. So when Jesus came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, and he said that this day the scripture is fulfilled in your ears, he was saying that I am your jubilee. The jubilee is, as a matter of fact, not only the jubilee, but the Sabbath day, uh, the temple thing, all these things, the feast, the feast of trumpets, the feast of tabernacles, all of these Old Testament things were just shadows to point us to things that Jesus would fulfill and things that Jesus would do. All of it. The Sabbath, Jesus is the Sabbath. He is our eternal rest. And they were told to take that Sabbath and make it holy, take a day to rest, because that was to point to Jesus who is our eternal Sabbath. He is our rest. So in like manner, so is the Jubilee. That when Jesus comes, that is God's set time for a miracle. It's God's set time for you to be delivered, to have your debts canceled, for you to be set free. So Jesus announced, this now is perpetually fulfilled for all generations. That those who come to me can find cancellation of their debts. Can find freedom for their children. Can find breakthrough and blessing. Amen. So he said, I am the acceptable year of the Lord. And we began this series by, by discussing a question, and that question is, who is Jesus to you? And one of the things Jesus revealed himself as, as our eternal jubilee. He is our eternal time for God's favor. He is the set time for God's favor. The time when you come unto him that slaves are set free, blessings come through, lost possessions restored. Amen. Jesus is, now you understand that in the Greek there's two words for time. There's the word chronos and there's the word kairos. Chronos is K R O S O S, chronos, uh, or it can be C H, depending uh, how you're doing it. In the Greek it's with a K. But chronos is a space of time. I have a note here for chronos. Chronos is a chronological or sequential time. In other words, it's quantitative. It's chronological or sequential time. And the other word for time in the Greek and in the New Testament is kairos. Kairos is the proper or the opportune time for an action, for a miracle. It's the opportune time. It's the qualitative and not Quantitative. So Jesus came as the Kairos. He was the timing of God, the timing of heaven. He is the Kairos. Come in the Kronos, come in a space of time. The Bible says that in the fullness of time, Christ came. That word time in the Greek is the chronos. So on the set calendar time, when it was the right proper time, the kairos came. Eternity coming in the fullness of time. Hallelujah. Amen. The river church, we can do, this is what the Holy Ghost told me when I was praying over this. He said the river church can do in one year what other churches had to strive for in 30 years. Now, you know, I had this notes written up before Phil came here. And didn't Phil say that, uh, Phil Renner, say that on Monday night? He said that, you, that this church can do more, we can do more in one year than churches could do in 10 years. Well, the whole, I said, I, I, when I meditated on this, I said, yeah, didn't Phil say that? He said, and God said, bump that up to 30 years. I could do, well, how big is he to you? To me, yeah, Hallelujah! It's true. He can do it in one year what takes somebody else ten years. But if you believe that he can do it one year, than what takes someone else doing thirty years, you could receive that too, because the only limitation on God's God's. The only limitation in God's... There, uh, I got tongue twisted there because there's, uh, there's like four words I want to say at the same time. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. You know, and that's what's funny about the Greek. The Greek is so specific that I think there's four or six tenses in the Greek, something like that. I, I, you know, at least four... I think there's six tenses. English has four tenses, right? The Greek has six tenses. So that's why they used the, use the Greek to write the New Testament because it was so precise. Amen. But Jesus is a bunch of words, Greek words, bowled together in an unknown tongue. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. I'm telling you, Jesus can be anything that you believe He can be according to His Word. Amen. He can be your 10-year blessing. You know, you can make enough salary. That blew my mind. Because I come from, uh, you know... I come from the normal, you know, the normal people, the blue-collar families. And I was going to get a job as a pastor making $35,000 a year in California. And my friend Rick Jumpa, he said, Joey, why would you take a job to make $35,000 a year when you can make $35,000 a month on one deal? And I said, that sounds like Jesus to me. Hallelujah. So I didn't apply for that pastoral position because you know, they could take their thirty-five thousand a year and stuff it. Hallelujah! I'd rather believe God to make thirty-five thousand a month, or in or four or five times a year in a couple of deals. Amen. You can make thirty-five thousand a pop, and just a couple of deals. Hallelujah! So I began to pray. We began to do some business. I got into real estate as a young man, and we made we we did one little deal. We made eighty thousand dollars. I had to split it with my couple partners, but praise God, I made a whole salary in one small deal. Amen. So God begins to expand my expectations. Hallelujah. God, I believe, can do in this church in one year what took other churches 30 years to do. Amen. And God can do in your life. Hallelujah. Whether you're from... Uh, 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 Ex felon coming out of the prison with tattoos on, God can make you a millionaire. Hallelujah. Amen. I remember there was a guy who told us a testimony. He goes to my old church. He was just a waiter, he was a waiter in a restaurant but he has such an excellent spirit on him and he had a vision to start a restaurant and he wrote down uh, his restaurant, the logo, the the business plan, what they're going to serve, the menu. I mean, this guy had written everything down. He was a poor African American guy from Chicago that I went to church with when I was at Bill Winston's. And he had wrote down the logo, the kinds of food, the ambiance, the decoration. I mean, he had the whole business plan written out. And he was working as a waiter in a restaurant. And that was all he was, was just to wait in a restaurant. But in his mind, he was the owner of a franchise. In his mind. Even though he was just you know, waiting tables for tips, in his mind, he was the owner of the franchise. So he dressed nicer than all the other waiters, and he would, he would walk in. I mean, he was a waiter, not the host. When people would come in, he'd welcome them at the door, get them seated, get them set up. I mean, he ran the restaurant like he was the owner. So one day, a husband and wife came in, and he, he came to them, opened the door, or whatever, served them, got them seated, so on, and, and so on. And they were so blessed by him, and they said, Sir, uh, how long have you been? Uh, running this restaurant he said oh no i'm just a waiter here they said oh you're not the owner he said no i'm just i'm just you know i'm just a waiter she said but you look like and you act like you own this restaurant and he said well because ma'am he said in my spirit i own many restaurants i own franchises all over chicagoland area And she said, Is that so? He said, Yes, ma'am. He says, So I figured that if I want to be, if I want God to bless me to own a franchise of restaurants, he said, then I need to act like it in this restaurant. And she's like, tell me about your restaurant. So he said, like, oh, my restaurant's name is this. And it has a little bit of different ambiance. And here we like, it's more like this kind of, and we have like all cherry wood. And he begins to share his whole restaurant. She was so impressed. She said, is this written up? He said, oh, yeah, I have the whole thing. I have the menu. I have the business plan, everything. She said, well, how much do you need to get started? He said, well, I estimate we need about $2 million. And she's like, this is what I want you to do. She's with her husband. She said, we're the owners of McDonald's, the CEO of McDonald's. And she said, I want, you know, they're Christians. My friend actually has Bible study in their home in Chicago. They have weekly Bible study for the youth there. And she said, we, we, we want to invest into your business. Meet us tomorrow at the bank, and we're going we're gonna to transfer you over $2 million to get, your, to get your chain store started. Amen. And this guy now has a chain of restaurants across Chicago. Amen. Just a poor African-American man from the west side of Chicago. Amen. God can do for you in a moment which takes somebody 30 years to accomplish when you understand that he is your kairos. Do you hear me? Jesus proclaiming that he was our jubilee was simply saying the perpetual Never-ending jubilee has come. Mary understood, the Virgin Mary understood that he was the Kairos. Let's take a look here at John chapter 2. John chapter 2, let's look at verse 1 through 5. Hallelujah. John chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. This is the account of Jesus with his mother in Cana of Galilee. Which, me and my wife renewed our vows there. And if you come with us to Israel next year, we will take everybody here and we'll renew your vows right there in Cana of Galilee. Hallelujah. How many of you would like that? How many of you would like to get a spouse so you can just get married there next Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Receive it. Hallelujah. The third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus says to her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour, say hour, mine hour is not yet Come. And his mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And if you know how the story goes, even though he pushed her away and said, My hour has not come, she said, Never mind all that time talk. I know who you are. Go get the vats, fill them up with water, and bring them to Jesus. Because she was going to place a demand on who she knew that he was. Amen. Just like we talked last week, the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus didn't consciously decide to heal her. His conscious will in mind had nothing at all to do with her miracle. She was able to take a miracle off the table of God from Jesus Christ without even asking his permission, without even asking if he would, without even him deciding to give it to her because she didn't need him to decide to give it to her because she had heard that the jubilee has come and if I could just touch the Jubilee I'll receive whatever I need I don't even need to pray I just need to touch him hallelujah and Jesus said who touched me he had no idea who was getting miracles from him hallelujah so she said never mind this time talk you're the kairos that word hour in the Greek Obviously, the word hour in the English was extracted directly from the Greek because the Greek word hour is hora, H-O, apostrophe R-A-H, hora, or we, we get the word hour. And that word hour means a certain time or season, a certain time or season. Remember Monday night, Philip Renner talked about seasons, and he said, "I just tired of people talking about, uh, oh, it's not my season. I'm not in the season." I mean, he was preaching my notes without even seeing my notes. These were written up last week. Hallelujah. Your season can be any time that you step into it. Hallelujah. Amen. This is my season. It's always my season. Hallelujah. I like how Rod Parsley preached it. He said, No dry season. Hallelujah. He said, It's not my season. It's not my, my hour. Hora is a time or a season. Watch this fixed by natural law fixed by natural law, and returning with the revolving year. In other words, it was not the calendar time for him to begin to do miracles. But she didn't see Jesus as, as, you know, he's bound and limited by the calendar, bound and limited by time. She saw him as the one who, who transcends all time and space. She knew that he was God. Because the angel told her his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Hallelujah. Mary said, I know it's not the hora, it's not the hour, it's not the calendar time. But but who are you to me? You are eternity in the flesh. Hallelujah. The Virgin Mary knew he was Kairos. She knew he was the Jubilee. When Lazarus died, we have another thing that took place. When Lazarus died, Martha only knew Jesus as the Kronos. She knew Jesus as the Kronos. How many of you know the story of when Lazarus died and Mary and Martha came to Mary stayed in the house and Martha came? Do you guys know that story? And she came to Jesus crying, all these things, and, and so forth. And she was crying because she knew Jesus just as good uh, as, as, as anyone knew Jesus, but she knew Jesus, and this is the question we're asking to you: who was Jesus to you? She knew him as the Chronos, And she told him, chronologically, I know that in the end days, when you come back, you will Resurrect the dead. I know that, but why weren't you here to prevent my, my brother Lazarus from dying? He said, No, you don't understand. I'm not just the Kronos. I'm not just the one who's going to come in the right horror and at the right Kronos at the right, se- the, the right setting of time, but I'm the one who can do anything at any time because I am the great I am. <laughs> do you understand me? Hallelujah. So Martha only knew him as the Messiah, limited by time. She knew him as a limited God. Reminds me of the man that had glasses in the Christian bookstore when I first got saved. And I said, hey, brother, can I pray for you to be healed of wearing spectacles? I had more faith back then. Hallelujah. Now I don't even pray for that. Huh? But I was on fire. Hallelujah. And I said, you know, God cleared from that. He's like, oh, no, no. He wants me to have these spectacles so he could get his glory. And I was like, well, can I at least pray for you to be healed? He said, no, I don't want you to pray for me. I thought, what, is, what church does he go to? I, I, that's what I was thinking. What, what gospel is he learning? Amen. He knew Jesus. He was a Christian. But he knew a limited Messiah. He knew a limited God. That by the right aura, miracles could happen. But Jesus said, I am. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. He is whatever you need him to be right now. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, to me, he's a $2 million God. Hallelujah. I'm going to put a million on this building, buy this up, open up the Bible college, open up the school of government, put a cafe, Starbucks, Seattle's best. I don't care what we're going to put at the end of this building. And hallelujah. And I'm going to take the other million and put billboards all across this city. Hallelujah. And have operations because I know him as a $2 million God. Hallelujah. Amen. But who is Jesus to you? Hallelujah. Amen. See, all substance in the visible and the invisible realm, all substance is given in seed form. You can write that down. All substance in the visible and in the invisible realm Meaning anointings, gifts, uh, spiritual things, fruits, joy, peace, patience, all these gifts, hallelujah. They're in seed form and everything in the visible realm, buildings, properties, cars, transportations, jobs, everything in the visible and in the invisible realm is there for us in seed form. Do you understand that? And Jesus is the word of God planted into the earth, Hallelujah. Let's look here at 2 Corinthians 4.10. 2 Corinthians 4.10. As we begin to merge our lessons from Saturdays and Sundays and Mondays and Tuesdays, let's look at this here. 2 Corinthians 4.10 says this, Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. That's what we are doing with our fast. Our fasting does what? Executes the positional truth of what? Am I just saying it and you're not remembering it? Hallelujah. Let me go back to my notes. What did he say? Fasting, let's repeat it together. Fasting executes the positional truth of death. Now I danced around it and I hammered it several different ways because I, th- I know that's a deep thought and I wanted you to get it Sunday and the last Sunday. Did you get it? Uh, so you understand that I don't have to dance around it to make you, under- you know, because you got to sometimes got to dance around things, tell a couple of stories, to make people get it. Uh, because you just say what the you know you say a statement most people don't really grab it right away so I tell stories and testimonies to explain it to you am I right okay so fasting executes the positional truth of death so that the life of God can begin to exude out of our spirit man because the spirit man is full of the Zoe life of God. So when the flesh is put to death through fasting the spirit becomes stronger. So fasting is not just a hunger strike against God. Fasting is a reliance on spiritual nutrition that the life of God would be manifest through us. And prayers are answered more easily when fasting, not because you have manipulated God, but because you have killed your unbelief and come alive in your spirit of faith. And when you pray, things happen. We got that. We get that, I hope. We've been talking about that last couple Sundays. Amen. So here, Paul says what I've been preaching for two, three weeks. He says it in one little verse. Hallelujah. He wasn't as long-winded as me, I guess. (laughs) No, Paul was so long-winded that people fall asleep and fall out of the window and die when he's preaching. Amen. I keep it to about 60 minutes. Hallelujah. If you think I'm long, go to Rodney's church. Hallelujah. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord. The more that the death of of your flesh and the dying of the Lord is happening in your life, the more the life of Jesus begins to manifest in your body. Hallelujah. Verse 11. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but now when I pray for people, life works in them. Life don't work when you pray for people, healings don't happen when you pray for people, because there's not enough death working in you, bottom line. My wife, the other day, I've been doing good on the fast. I had one little, you know, struggle night, and me and her were wrestling over a bowl of fruity pebbles. I'm like, Give me these fruity pebbles. Say, take, no, no, no. I'm like, give me those fruity pebbles. We're going back and forth. Pebbles went all over the house. Hallelujah. (laughs) We need to get death working in us. I want to focus, though, not only on the death, it's not about focusing on the death, but I want our attention to be drawn to the life of Christ working in us. John G. Lake said this, The great majority of the Christian world is still weeping at the foot of the cross. The consciousness of man is fixed on the Christ who died, not on the Christ who lives. He said they're looking back to a Redeemer who was and not a Redeemer Who is? Who is Jesus to you? When I went into the Catholic hospitals of the Philippines to pray for all the COVID patients in the COVID infectious disease wards and in the units where they're there in the ICU, I knew most of the people there I'm talking to was Catholic. And this was my message. I didn't say this, but my message was, I know you know the Jesus hanging around your neck. And you know that Jesus hanging on the cross. But I'm here to tell you about a Jesus who has resurrection power that is here right now. And you, if you'll receive it with me, hallelujah. And, a, and I think 132 doctors gave their life to Jesus and received prayer for healing. Hallelujah. Who is Jesus to you? God is calling us not only to his death. But he's calling us into his glory. Fasting is not just about going into death of our flesh, but it's about entering into the glory of God. I think Chris got hit with it today in the kitchen. Hallelujah. We got hit with it last night. Actually, you got hit with it last night a bit up there on the soundboard, didn't you? And then it just been, you know got hit again in the kitchen. Hallelujah. The fasting is not just an introduction to death, but an introduction into the glory of God. And it's in the glory that miracles happen. Hallelujah. If we can manifest the glory, I've heard many spiritually mature people say, quote, unquote, spiritually mature. You know what this means, right? (laughs) Brother, we need to preach the cross. We need to focus more on the cross. I had a church kick me out, and they told me, you don't preach on the cross enough. Churches say we need to have a message on the cross every Sunday, meaning preach against sins. That's what they mean, preach against sins, preach about repentance, preach about holiness every week. But righteousness does not come by preaching the law. Righteousness does not come by preaching the law. How did Paul encourage the Corinthian church? Paul dealt with the sin. You know the Corinthian church, just so you know. They were a hot mess. They were a mess spiritually. Full of sin and immorality. But how did Paul deal with them? He dealt with them by reminding them of their worth and reminding them of their identity. And that's how Paul dealt with them. Why are you in the pig trough eating eating pig food, crawling in the mud, don't you know that you're a temple of the Holy Ghost? Don't you know that you will judge angels? The revelation that we are a temple, the revelation that we judge angels came to the Corinthian church because the way Paul was going to get them out of their sin was by reminding them of the high life that they're called to and not redundantly preaching about the low life that they're wallowing in. They're so much better And that's where we get the English word repent from. repent means to turn from. The word pent is the word penthouse. It means the top suite or the top life. So repent, it only means uh, say, oh, forgive me of my sins and stop sinning. But repent means turn from your low life and come up to the high life. Hallelujah. Where all your needs are met. Where you're fulfilled in the glory of God. Where you have no lack, no illness. Why are you wallowing in the mud? Don't you know this sin bringeth forth death? But you will judge angels. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit, reminding them of who you are. When you sin, you forget who you are. You're far above stupid little sins. Hallelujah. Amen. And when you're reminded of who you are and have a revelation of who you are, you won't waste time. Amen. Running with the rabbits when you should be hunting with the hounds. Do you understand me? It's like the analogy of that eagle that was born in the chicken pen. Have you heard that story? Eagle was born in the chicken pen. And he was walking around that pen like a chicken. He was an eagle, but he was walking around like this, you know. (laughs) And he was just, you know, he thought he was a chicken because he grew up with all chickens. His entire life, he knew nothing but chickens. So he was living like a chicken. It wasn't until one day that he walked across uh, a, a puddle, and he looked in that puddle, and he realized, whoa, who's that looking at me in the puddle? He realized, I'm not a chicken. I'm an eagle, hallelujah. And that's how we are, hallelujah. Growed up in this world system as chickens, never realizing that we're eagles. And with a chicken mentality, I always thought you had to buy a car with a loan. I thought I had to buy a house with a loan. As God began to renew my mind, I bought my first car cash. Brand new, off the lot, zero miles, hallelujah. I bought my first four houses, condos. I bought them all cash, no mortgage. Because I'm the only one in my family that bought houses cash. I'm the only one in my family that bought... uh, bought, um, A car cash off the lot. Only one in my family. Because I realized they're living like chickens. I'm not a chicken, I'm an eagle. Amen. I'm not a chicken, I'm an eagle. I don't have to get a loan. Amen. And the thing is, watch this. My salary was $800 a month. While I have cousins making $150,000 a year, $200,000 a year and they're up to their nose in debt. Everything they own is on a credit card and a loan. And I'm making an $800 a month, and I bought four houses cash and a car with a lot of cash on an $800 seller. Because how? Because I don't purchase with money. The Bible says come and purchase without money. Faith can get you in the natural what money can get you. Excuse me, in the, faith gets you in the spirit what money can get you in the natural. You don't need money. All you need is faith. You don't need money for school. You don't need money to buy a house. You don't need money to buy a car. You don't need the money to buy clothes. You just have to know who he is regarding your shelter and your housing. Who he is regarding your clothing. The first five suits I bought, now I have a closet full of suits, a walk-in closet full of suits. And half my suits are are still being shipped here from the Philippines. But before I had one suit, all I had was sweats and gym shoes. Amen. Amen. And I bought ties for $2 each from Marshalls, $2.99. And I bought five ties, and I prayed for five suits. And God blessed me by different people without me asking nobody. Five suits, every single suit matched my ties. Now I have suits coming out of my ears. Now I have a suit business. I have a suit. Me and my wife just started a suit business. If anybody wants tailor-made suits, we have cashmere, wool, cotton, or you could have a blend, whatever, depending on how much you want to spend. But we have tailor-made suits that you'll pay for about 500 bucks. little commercial here. About 500 bucks for a tailor-made cashmere wool suit. If you'd like to have a nice suit or something like that, see my wife. But now I own the suit store. Amen. But a 17, 18, going to Bible college, 20 years old, I, didn't, I couldn't afford one suit. But I realized God didn't make chickens out of me. He made eagles. Amen. Are you a chicken? Are you an eagle? Ask yourself that, hallelujah. But you know, it takes faith to say, I'm not going to go to the bank. I'm not going to go the world's way. And there's nothing wrong. listen of using debt if you know how to use it wisely. Because a wise man will take somebody else's money and make money with it. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why I don't agree with, with the word of faith that says never have any debt because some debt can be used for leverage to make money. Amen. But if you'd rather not do it, go, God bless you. But I'm saying you're not limited by your degree, your job, your income, your network. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life if the spirit of life is in you. So we have to move beyond the cross, the cross, the cross, and start living in resurrection, new creation realities. That's how we will impact the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. I didn't know we'd get into that tonight, but that was for somebody here. Amen. God has called you to soar. Hallelujah. That's why I said to my wife, I said, Man, I gotta lose this weight because I gotta soar. Hallelujah. I gotta go to a lot more places to preach and travel around, and I gotta, I gotta be in shape, hallelujah. Get around, hallelujah. Amen. But I know what to do. I just lazy. I just gotta plant the seed, hallelujah. Plant the seed of the word regarding those things, amen. And the word will produce, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Just close your eyes here for a moment as we let the word simmer. Let the word simmer tonight. The truths that have touched you tonight, let it simmer for a moment. Are you on a plateau? Have your. Have you felt your glory days are behind you? Have you just gotten to live day to day? Are you living like everybody else around you, the life of a chicken? Or are you soaring like an eagle? Let these words simmer on the inside of you today. And Father, I reach my hand, my faith, my spirit, Father God, out to each and everybody here in Jesus' name. And Father, I pull them up out of every plateau in the mountain pilgrimage up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And I pull them up today, Father, another level. I pray, Father God, that this word Would not fall by the wayside according to Mark chapter 4. But I declare that tonight this word is hit good ground. And now I command every foul of the air that would come for the word's sake. I command every persecution and affliction. Every distraction that would come for the word's sake. And I give you a cease and desist order in the name of Jesus. So that... The saints under this word tonight, Father God, can shift out of their place and move into the resurrection, soaring place of God in the Spirit, Father, in Jesus' name. Some of us have been so used to living by what we can muster and scratch together. And have not leaned on the everlasting arm of your divine provision. Some of us have lived off every natural arm of assistance that we can find in this carnal realm. And yet to see the Kairos. Yet to know the miracle resurrection power of God. They could, they could just make money manifest in their pocket. Hallelujah. They could just speak to someone to write them a check. Hallelujah. They can just do in a moment what would take surgeries, what would take uh, loans, what would take all kinds of things. What would, Maybe it would take auras, Maybe it would take kronos. But you can do it in a moment. Because we are people of the cloud. We are people of the cloud. We must not walk away from service as we walk away from a mirror and forget who we are. But we must look in that puddle and see the eagle that you've cast us to be. As Brother Summerall called them, the divine molds of God. That you've molded eagles in this church, Father God. And by your grace, I pray that the potential that you have in each and every human being in this church, and in the sound of my voice, that it would, Father God, it would cultivate, would cultivate, would be manifested. And I pray, Father God, exceedingly and abundantly of all they could ask or think, that you do a sign and you do a wonder in their lives. In the name of Jesus. Lift your hands up to the Lord and I just want you to receive Jesus as your Kairos. Not your Messiah limited to a loan. Not your Messiah limited to a a, a job provider. Not your Messiah limited to a surgery or a doctor. But receive the Kairos who always is the set time For the divine favor of God. Let not the words of thy prophet fall to the ground today. But Father God, enforce, enforce in the spirit of faith everything preached from your holy word today in the life, in the finances, in the health, in the families of everybody here. We are a supernatural church. We don't gather for just Bible study. We are a supernatural church. We come for fresh revelation and
0: manna. We come from encounter and breakthrough. We come to see miracles. We
1: are people of the Holy Ghost. If you want a Bible study? Tune in to Charles Stanley. If you don't want an encounter with the living word, come to the river 216 Luther Drive, Broken Arrow. Hallelujah. Jesus, 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 the Rhema, the Logos, the Kairos,
0: the Kronos. Jesus! I'll bring you in the land of flowing with milk and honey. I'll bring you to the land where, oh God, it's easy to perform. It's easy. Yes, I'll bring you to rest. Even in this season, I'm doing that saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
1: Just wrote two checks to CTN for about $5,000. It seems crazy, a little church that's only been open for two months, dropping $5,000 into the television. But you see, we have to get the sound that this church is making into the airwaves. We have to cover the city, we have to cover the state. We have to go through this airwaves, the antenna, because the prince of powers and principalities and rulers of darkness that rule in the airwaves of this city need to hear the anointing that's coming from this house. Because the anointing that's in this house is dominion, it's kingdom, it's apostolic, it's authority. It's not just a Bible teaching. So we need to invest in these airwaves, we need to send this sound through the airwaves. I could put on YouTube and boost that. I could put on uh, Facebook, boost that and maybe get more viewers. Hey, I got 50 million or whatever, 35 million, whatever. I forgot, 26 million with Rodney on Facebook, but I'm after the airwaves. I'm after shaking the airwaves of this city and this nation. Hallelujah. And we're going to put the worship on the airwaves and the prophesying on the airwaves because this sound is not just coming from me, but it's coming from the ministers. It's coming from, from the ministers here, from the worship ministers, from the, our, our associate pastors. And it's coming from the ministers here. It's a sound of heaven that is coming from a small group of people that have come together simply because they're hungry. All you came from other churches. But you came because you want more. You're the people who want more. And the sound that that's producing, we need to put on the airwaves. Hallelujah. I don't know how long we can do it. I'm believing we can just stay on. Hallelujah. But as you understand, we have a limited amount that we have gotten to do that with. Amen. But we believe that... If God wants us to continue to impact these airwaves, if we invest into it, so into it, it, money will come back. Hallelujah. And we'll be able to continue to broadcast the sound. Because the Bible says in the last days, there'll be many teachers running around and people running around with itching ears to hear all these teachers. But we don't need another dead talking head on television. We need a sound of the anointing. That's what Rod Parsley brought to television. He was the only guy that brought signs, wonders, people falling out, miracle power of God. That's what Benny Hinn brought to the television, the anointing. And that's what Rodney Howard Brown brings to the television, the anointing, the manifestation, the demonstration. But there's just on one hand how many people I can count across all the preachers on television that are bringing the anointing across the airwaves. There's teachers everywhere. But who's bringing signs, wonders, the prophetic, the miracle, the power of God? We need to release that sound in the airwaves. Hallelujah. Amen. And I believe that as we do the things, everything in the natural, everything in the natural is a reflection of what's happening in the spiritual realm. And if we impact the spiritual realm, we'll get more witches coming. Hallelujah. To me, you're not doing nothing if the witches ain't coming. Hallelujah. We had a witch come yesterday. Ran out of the service. Couldn't even take the announcements. Ran out contorting in their car, driving off her, her friend had to jump in the windows, like, <laughs> she was pulling off, he had to jump in the window to go with her, hallelujah demonized people come in and some of them think they're Christians you know they said, wrong, do you believe Christians could have a demon? he said, depends on your definition of a Christian amen Father we bless your church today we thank you for those hungry souls most our friends and family members now that have gathered here Father God to eat the manna from heaven to worship the king in the presence of the corporate anointing Father God and we thank you Father God for the anointing that you put on this house and we thank you that it will just increase we don't We're not satisfied with today's anointing. We want to get, hallelujah, even more. We want to get so plastered in the Holy Ghost that we have to pick people up and Uber them home. Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you, Holy Ghost. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the anointing here is the same anointing that we use in the crusades that we have. The same anointing that I have in the crusades with demoniacs being set free, people being healed. It's the same level here. You just don't notice it as much because we don't have that big crowd of people. But it's the same. There's a very powerful anointing in this church if you don't know. I'm telling you. This is the crusade anointing that we have when we go to the nations. Amen. And we thank God for that. Hallelujah. Because without it, I don't even want to have church. I just can't go to another dead service. We had to stop the recording at that point, but you might be listening right now and you say, Pastor Joey, I wanted to pray that prayer. If I was there, I would have prayed with you. I'd like to pray right now, as a matter of fact. I'd like to give my life to Jesus Christ. I would like to have God in my life, and I'd like to know Jesus is my Savior and my Lord and surrender my life to Him. You know, Repentance means to turn away from your way of doing things. And to turn to God's way. We've done things our own way. Like they used to say in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, when I did the 12 steps, they said, your best decisions and your best ways of thinking and your best ways to handle life have gotten you to this situation. And now it's time to trust a higher power. Well, there is no higher power than the God of all the earth. His name is Jehovah and he sent his son Jesus to die for you and through him you can turn from your way of doing things to his way and his way is the right way because he made you and he made you for a purpose and he knows exactly what you need to pull out your potential to forgive you of your sins deliver you from the things that keep you away from God in a sin and death cycle and if you'd open up your heart to him right now together with me god can begin a new work in your life so just pray with me wherever you're at whether you're driving your car whether you're at home or wherever you are just just pray with me and repeat after me say father i come to you now in the name of jesus i ask you to forgive me forgive me of my sins wash me in the blood of Jesus. I believe that your son died for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer, I'd like you to contact me. And we can send you some more resources and materials that could help you start this new life because this is the first day of the rest of your life. Email me at joe at nationsabroad.com or email the church at nfcontact at gmail.com And we'd love to speak with you and just correspond with you and put you on the right path. Maybe help you find some local churches there online or something, or maybe we know some pastors there that can follow up with you and help teach you the Word of God. Thank you for listening, and feel free to download the other podcasts and just feed on the Word of God.